What's up, Interpreters? This is Ian Beard from the Historic Arkansas Museum in Little Rock, Arkansas. What's up, Interpreters? I am NAI Executive Director Paul Caputo. And with me, as always... (laughs) Hey, Paul. Hey, Ian. I'm Song. I'm the NAI Events and Engagement Manager. And this is, I don't even know what episode of What's Up, Interpreters, but we are excited to have Ian on with us today. Ian, we're coming to Arkansas. You're in Arkansas. What is up? Coincidence? <laughs> <laughs> so, Ian, you work at the Arkansas, uh, the historic Arkansas Museum. Correct. And what exactly do you do there? I'm the education director here. Uh, so we have a department of nine museum educators uh, uh, that um, uh, we do school programming. Um, uh, our bread and butter is living history programming. So costumed interpretation, uh, as well as a number of, of, of public programs and other things like that. So we're coming to Little Rock and we're obviously we're looking forward to it. Song and I were there uh, earlier this year as part of the site visit. And it's a, it's a beautiful, amazing place. The river is awesome. And these, you know, these these super cool bridges what, what surprises people about Little Rock when they get there? If someone is new to the city and they are visiting your site, you know, what are the what are the preconceptions and what are the what are the things that, that catch people off guard about Little Rock? You know, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, um, preconceptions, uh, you can go all sorts of dif- different directions with that. Um, uh, some people know us uh, uh, for the 1957 um, uh, uh, Little Rock Central High desegregation crisis, uh, one of one of the um, um, uh, really a turning point in uh, in the civil rights movement. Um, a lot of a lot of people know us as um, where Bill Clinton's from, uh, and where they watched uh, election results back in the nineties. Um, uh, we have um, people who know us if they know about Little Rock or about Arkansas. Um, uh, they know about Dillard's and Walmart and Tyson and Stevens and J.B. Hunt and some of the big companies that are here. So I, I think it it kind of depends on on on, uh, on where you're coming from, what you've heard about what what you've done. One one thing I thought I think universally surprises people about Little Rock and just Arkansas in general is is just um, uh, the natural setting and the beauty um, uh, that um, uh, e- even as a as a small city, our metropolitan area is about eight hundred thousand folks. Um, there's just trees everywhere. Uh, and there's uh, there's rolling hills and there's lots of green. Uh, you've got uh, um, uh, the river in the middle of it all. Um, uh, there's um, uh, you know great hiking and mountain biking and paddling, all real close to town. So I think I think a lot of people are are, are really uh, both impressed and surprised by uh, uh, just the, uh, um, the the outdoor recreation opportunities uh, uh, that come with a you know with with a state capital with like a, a you know a, a, a city in the middle uh, in the middle of everything yeah so paul you mentioned that we were there earlier uh for a site visit for national conference which is coming up really soon um and we debated you know the theme building bridges because also arkansas is the natural state and there's so many um outdoor spaces and recreational spaces and you know i'm excited to go on some of the off site field trips to uh, state parks, national parks. So yeah, there's there's a ton of greenery and rivers flowing through. But you work at the Historic Arkansas Museum and you mentioned that you have um, living history mm-hmm. reenactments. Um, I know that uh, one of your coworkers is presenting uh, some blacksmithing because you have the yep. like an 1850s farmstead 
kind Correct. of right there in the middle of the city. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, tell tell us about some of that that uh, his like the historical context. Yeah. So the Historic Arkansas Museum is, as you said, right smack dab in the middle uh, of the city. And, uh, and, and, and folks that come to the conference are going to find a, a lot of that um, uh, historic sites, cultural, cultural history uh, that are uh, very central to the core uh, of, of downtown, uh, which is great. And, and one of the places I work at, the Historic Arkansas Museum, uh, preserves um, uh, an entire block uh, from the antebellum period, so before the Civil War, um, of uh, homes and businesses. Uh, and so, uh, and a lot of people are, are kind of surprised because we are a historic site with like high rise steel and glass buildings uh, all around us, um, you know, a, a, the, an interstate a few blocks away, uh, all, all that sort of thing. And so it's, uh, it, it's, it's really a different kind of uh, a historic experience, uh, but uh, we still do a lot of the things historic sites do. Uh, and, and one thing we've long been known for uh, is our living history program. Uh, so um, uh, doing things like Casey and the Blacksmith Shop, um, uh, we have a number of trade shops. We also have a print shop. Um, we're working on a, um, a textiles area. Um, uh, we do a lot of food waste programming. Um, uh, we, we have a, a lot of different um, uh, trades and skills that we focus on. And, and most of that is done in, in period costume. Uh, and so uh, it, it's kind of, it, it's often a surprise to people walking down the street and they'll see folks in, you know, frock coats and top hats and things like that, uh, that are just in the middle of Little Rock doing their job <laughs> you know, at, at the museum. So, and we have a lot of fun with that too, because uh, sometimes we'll just go out into, you know, the entertainment districts or something like that and then wave at people. <laughs> You're actually dovetailing with the question that I had here. It, you know, the, the Historic Arkansas Museum takes up a, a full city block. Yeah. And it's not all indoors, as as you mentioned. It's you know there's there's outdoor interpretation going on, and you know you, you are smack dab in the middle of the city, walking distance from the conference hotel, by the way, which is uh, something we did when we were there in April. We walked there mm -hmm. from the conference hotel, and you know that you, you you had historic buildings, you had people uh, you know reenacting, um, doing living history interpretation there. What are the the challenges of doing that kind of interpretation where you're trying to transport visitors to another time when you're surrounded by honking cars and, and tall buildings and, and all these great restaurants that they had there just, uh, <laughs> just nearby, you know, obviously it's, there, there are challenges I would think of, of not being within a, a setting where you can really divorce yourself from your surroundings. No, there definitely are challenges. Uh, it, it's hard to get that immersive, sort of experience because of that, because there are, there's, you know, uh, uh, utility poles and wires and traffic lights and, and all sorts of noise and things like that. Uh, people with their car radios too loud drive by in the middle of, you know, talking to a school group. Uh, and it's, um, uh, you, you do have that to contend with. Uh, so, the, so there are challenges, but um, I think that the opportunities that come with being downtown um, are, are really great as well. Um, uh, we get all sorts of visitors that are able, as you said, to walk in. Um, so we have a lot of people, they're, they're from out of town, uh, they flew in, they took the airport shuttle, um, uh, you know, at the hotel. Um, uh, they don't get to go anywhere that's not within a few blocks of where they're staying. Uh, and, and we have so many of these people who just wander in. 
because we are we do have that convenience. We are right there in the middle of everything. Um, uh, we are we're currently working on uh, on partnerships uh, with a charter school that's located two blocks away, uh, and um, uh, and is you know uh, a I think it's K through eight for that campus um, a set of school kids that that could literally come any day of the week, anytime they wanted uh, uh, to do programming with us. Uh, so, so there are a lot of there are a lot of challenges, uh, but but the the opportunities that come with being in an urban core are really great as well. And so, your Living History program is a national award winning Living History program, cool. and uh, you know <laughs> that's what it says on the internet. And yes. As for my time, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll accept it anyway. Oh, oh, Ian ruined it. Okay, got it. Um, no, award-winning program uh, depicting original owners, workers, and slaves of the historic homes. So with that said, what are some of the challenges in interpreting accuracy and difficult history? Yeah, uh, so all of that is, is a huge challenge. Um, uh, there is so much of the history that has happened uh, on our site, uh, it's difficult. Um, uh, Arkansas was a slave state. So a state where we're not just slavery was legal, but really where it was the foundation of the economy up until the time of the Civil War. So, so everything we do here has that as a foundation. Uh, and uh, and we, uh, uh, we, like many other historic sites, spent the first few decades of, of our history just kind of not talking about that part. Um, uh, we talk about the important white people who have names on buildings and stuff like that um, uh, that lived here. Uh, and, 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 I, and, and, and to their credit, long before I was here, uh, the Historic Arkansas Museum uh, was really making an effort before a lot of other places were uh, to reverse that uh, and to really um, uh, make uh, the enslaved experience uh, of so many people who were here, uh, a central part of the interpretation. Uh, if you do come to the Historic Arkansas Museum while you're here, uh, we've got um, uh, what we call Giving Voice Plaza. Uh, and there's a little plaque there which lists every enslaved person that our research has revealed uh, that lived on the, uh, our, our museum actually spans three city blocks, uh, um, but only adds up to about two total blocks. Um, but every enslaved person that lived on those three blocks, um, uh, well over a hundred, uh, and um, and 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 when we can, we we name them, we we give um, a familiar relationships. But one of the I think the most striking things about that is so many of those names are just unknown, uh, as these folks were maybe a hash mark on a census form, or even worse, a value on a tax form, uh, and so. Um, uh, but we've done that because we want to make sure uh, that our visitors fully understand uh, that there is this hidden history uh, that um, uh, of uh, literally hundreds of folks who who didn't get to tell their own story for so long, uh, and, uh, and and that we have made a real effort uh, to uh, to be mindful of that uh, and to work uh, to include that uh, into everything we do. I think that that's such an important part of interpretation now is is just knowing how to do that research, right? Like yeah. where, I mean, and like you say, sometimes these stories are not knowable, but, you know, interpretive sites that are doing everything they can to tell these stories, such a valuable, valuable work that you're doing. So kudos to you and, and the museum 
what are for folks who are there visiting uh, for the for the conference or for you know otherwise if they're just they just happen to be in in Little Rock, what are the exhibits where where in the museum itself? What are the exhibits that you would suggest folks start with to get a real sense of? And this is like the you know, I don't mean to be the, the like the visitor who shows up and they're like, I have 30 minutes to see the Grand Canyon. What yeah, did I see? Right. But right. <laughs> are are there exhibits that that you're particularly proud of or that you think folks should should start with to understand Little Rock and, and Arkansas as a place? Yeah. So um, um, along with being a historic site, um, uh, we our museum, we're actually a museum of both Arkansas history, uh, material culture uh, and uh, contemporary art. Uh, so uh, if you come to our, our, our museum galleries, uh, we're going to have one gallery that, that, uh, that rotates that's just dedicated to Arkansas artists, contemporary artists, living artists, um, uh, which I think is really cool. Uh, we've got, um, uh, uh, for mature culture right now, we have a, um, a temporary exhibit uh, in partnership uh, with the American Folk Art Museum um, on um, uh, Masonic and um, uh, Oddfellow um, um, folk art. Uh, in pieces. Um, we have another exhibit uh, called Conspicuous Consumption, essentially how you show off a, a, as a Victorian Arkansan with by the things you buy uh, and, uh, and, the, and the, the face you put out there. Um, and then our two permanent exhibits uh, are also uh, bringing a lot of people. One is we walk in two worlds, uh, which is at least in, in Arkansas, uh, the most extensive um, um, sort of exhibit um, looking at the native peoples of Arkansas, uh, the Quapaw, the Caddo, and the Osage, uh, and, uh, and really work with them uh, for them uh, to tell much of their story in that exhibit space. Uh, probably, though, the one we're most famous for, and most people come off the street, is like, all right, 30 minutes to see the Grand Canyon. Um, uh, we're going we're gonna to point them to our ninth gallery. Um, the Historic Arkansas Museum is, is, is internationally famous. Uh, I, I don't think there's too much hyperbole with that. Uh, as a um, uh, depository uh, of Bowie knives. Uh, sorry, Bowie knives. <laughs> Halloween, seen a lot, of, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of makeup today. I got, I got Bowie on the mind, uh, but they're Bowie knives, uh, but a really big knives. And actually uh, the other name, the other contemporary name back in the uh, 19th century for a, a Bowie knife uh, is an Arkansas toothpick. Uh, and so um, uh, we've kind of leaned into that and we've got uh, really a great collection of, uh, of historic pieces as well as contemporary pieces done by, uh, by modern bladesmiths. Uh, and so um, the galleries uh, offer um, a lot of really interesting interpretation uh, that honestly is very different uh, uh, than what's on the historic grounds. Uh, uh, so we kind of have that, uh, that Jacqueline Hyde thing. We're, we're both a historic site but we're also a museum with exhibits about all sorts of things. And so you can get a lot of variety while you're here. And how would you say that in the interpretation has changed over the years at, in, in your time at Historic Arkansas Museum? As, as, as society changes, I'm sure interpretation changes. What do you see as the major changes in interpretation at the museum? Kind of dovetailing into that, that difficult um, uh, history and dealing with difficult uh, um, uh, issues is that we no longer do first person interpretation. Mm. Um, and this kind of ties in with a number of things, uh, both the setting, as we talked about, it is a, it is a historic site, but not in a historic setting, uh, mm -hmm. but also just because it became really hard to do some of these difficult subjects justice 
um, uh, uh, mm. trying to put the blinders on of just what um, a first-person interpretive uh, style uh, would allow. Um, I think first-person uh, interpretation is great. Um, I, uh, I think there's a lot of really, really great examples of it. But I will say almost all of that is at much larger sites with enough staff to cover a much broader spectrum of viewpoints. Uh, and that is something that we just, we don't have. Uh, so we have nine people. It's rare that all nine of them are in costume and doing interpretation at the same time. Uh, and so uh, we pivoted to third person where we can talk about things uh, in context. Uh, and, and I think that was especially important for talking about things like enslavement, uh, but also talking about things uh, uh, like, um, um, you know, the rights of women at the, uh, during our time period, um, uh, the rights of children. We talk, talk about um, apprenticeships and indentured servitude and things like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of, lot of different things. Um, at the time, they would not acknowledge the Quapa as, uh, as you know, the, the, the original um, uh, uh, owners of this land, inhabitants of that. That's something we can talk about as well. And so um, uh, I think that um, I really love living history. I really love costume interpretation. Um, uh, uh, but a, a decision we made is that we needed to, we, even though we were in the costume, we still needed to be ourselves and have the knowledge uh, and, the, um, and really the hindsight of a modern person uh, to, to, to give these subjects full justice uh, and uh, to be um, uh, considerate of our visitors and their experiences. Well, Ian, how did you get into the field of interpretation? And have you always been in a living history or how did you originally get into this profession? Great, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a question that I'm gonna answer honestly for you, um, even though it's probably not the best decision. Uh, when uh, my, my junior year in college, there was a really cute redhead uh, in state park uniform uh, recruiting for seasonal positions at my cafeteria. <laughs> and uh, so, I went up and talked to her <laughs> and, and chatted for a little bit. Uh, and uh, uh, I mean, I, I knew that it existed as a field, but it wasn't something I'd ever really thought about or considered. Uh, and, um, uh, and and it sounded fun. We, uh, when I, growing up, we were a family that went to, uh, uh, went camping a lot, went to state parks, went to national parks, did all that sort of thing. I remember a few, um, um, uh, you know, at the time, what I would have called like a like a like a ranger talk or whatever, but now I understand the interpretive program. Uh, uh, but um, uh, some of those had been very memorable. Uh, but it, it just never occurred to me that that was something that people did for a living. Uh, now, to be fair, my junior year in college, nothing else had yet occurred to me on what to do for a living either. Uh, and so it was it was pretty you know it's a pretty good timing. Uh, and so um, uh, I applied. Um, um, I got a seasonal uh, position from Memorial Day to Labor Day at Withrow Springs State Park up in Northwest Arkansas, a really little one, uh, and um, uh, it was a great experience. Uh, and I left, I was like, oh, that'd be something fun to do, like maybe when I retire. Um, I don't know, I still had to come up with what I was gonna do for the rest of the time, but it just, it just hadn't clicked that that could be a career. Um, bopped around not really coming up with a career, um, uh, you know, delivered a lot of pizzas, we had a lot of tables, uh, did a lot of that stuff. Um, and um, I got a job, a temporary job being a tour guide at our state capital. Uh, and uh, uh, different than the state park, 
but a lot of similarities and they're starting to be a trend. Um, apply for seasonal work again, get a nine month position at Petty Jean State Park, which is uh, sort of the crown jewel of the Arkansas State Park system. Uh, go up there, um, uh, finally started to click, it was like, oh, people do this for a living. And, and, and honestly, one of the big things was with Springs, they had my position, the three-month seasonal interpreter was the only interpreted position they had up there. Um, everybody else was administrative, law enforcement, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, but there wasn't anybody else doing interpretation. Petty Jean, there's two full-time interpreters uh, and then multiple seasonal interpreters. And so I'm actually working with people who do this for a living. And I was like, ah, <laughs> this is an actual, <laughs> this is actually something you do with your life. Uh, and, um, and from there, um, about the end of my nine months, um, I got a job at uh, the Old State House Museum. I believe we're having a, a dinner there at the conference, uh, and uh, and and that was that was kind of where it finally all kind of came together. Uh, and honestly, I had never I'd always been a history buff, but I had never done anything with living history until um, I got a position coordinating living history at the Old State House, uh, and. Um, uh, to my credit, I guess not a lot of other people had ever done that either. That's why there wasn't more competition for that job. <laughs> I didn't hire somebody who had been doing, you know, 20 years of living history. It's like, eh, it's, it's something that, that, that is a little rare. Um, uh, and then I just, um, I kind of consumed from there. Uh, I just learned everything I could, um, got involved with a lot of professional groups, uh, NAI, uh, Association of Living History, Farm and Agriculture Museums, AAM, uh, 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 different groups like that, uh, and, and, and really tried to develop professionally uh, from really nothing. Uh, and honestly, it was kind of helpful not having any preconceived notions of what it was supposed to be uh, uh, or how I was supposed to do it. And so um, I was really able to kind of uh, be a sponge and then, and then decide what to turn this all into. Um, and so I did that for 11 years, um, uh, but this will probably be another part of the story um, uh, and you might come across as we come to the conference. Um, I took a break from interpretation uh, to uh, open up a brewery. Uh, and, um, and so um, uh, I, I believe some of, some of that beer is gonna be served <laughs> at, uh, at, uh, at the conference. Uh, but, um, uh, but even though I was doing that, um, I was having the brewery make like weird historic uh, defunct styles of beer uh, and uh, in working interpretation into that as well. Um, I, I think a beer we're actually serving um, uh, for the, uh, the reception that we're helping with uh, is um, a project I did when I was with the brewery, with the Historic Arkansas Museum where I work now, but I wasn't working there yet, um, uh, to recreate a um, historic Arkansas beer. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, take the research of the foodways research and historic techniques and all that sort of thing, put that all together, brew a beer that people would actually drink, because that's the thing about actually replicating a lot of history is that you don't really want the result. So this is a beer that actually tastes good. Uh, and it was a hit. And so we've been making it for years now. Uh, and uh, and uh, I know uh, a Theron who's on, uh, been working with, who's, who's the brewer, um, um, uh, made a special batch uh, just so we could have it for the conference because it is a beer with a story, uh, specifically an interpretive story. And you'll have to come talk to me at the reception to find that one out. <laughs> well, Ian, we are so looking forward to seeing you in person next week. So excited to yeah. 
to head to Little Rock, Arkansas for NAI 2023. Thank you so much for, for coming on and chatting about uh, the work that you do and the place that is going to host our conference uh, next week. So, Ian, thanks very much. And, and that's what's up. Uh, <laughs> super good. We're getting better and better. So good. <laughs> so good. Thanks for uh, for for doing this on short notice, and uh, yeah, yeah. We'll see you and see you a week from today. Yeah, safe travels. <laughs>